0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Ah, oh, I'm not so sleepy this morning, Benny. What's going on? I don't know. I, I don't know what you did. What, what's in your weedies, or did you, <laughs> you feeling it? I don't. Uh, feeling, I don't know. Vibes. I I blame it on the vibe. Sure. Of August. Yeah, here we are, going into August. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, July just whipped by us, and now we're on uh, to the last little month of summer for my boys. They uh, It's wrapping up pretty quickly. Uh,
0: how old are your boys now?
1: They are 10. They'll be 11 in January. <gasps> no. Yeah, right?
0: I remember them as babies. I know, <gasps> so do I. <laughs> oh, oh <my> <laughs> Little babies. Not right now. No them. waterworks <laughs> on the air. Not right now, not right now. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I just love that so much. Um, yeah, well, you know, love and, and hugs to your little little twins Thank there, you. your your bennies. Yeah. My little and mini bennies, yeah. I can't be true. Uh, <laughs> you know, of all the things I've ever done, I always say my kids are the best thing. Best thing ever. You got it. I don't how'd we do that, you know? Like, I don't know, but there they are. Well, yeah.
1: what happens is you see here you got your <laughs> Oh, is that not part of the show? Okay. All right. <laughs>
0: Please explain it to we me. We could talk about I... it another
1: day. So a boy and a girl. <laughs> Traditionally.
0: That actually sounds like a song. Right. Boy and a girl.
1: <laughs> but nowadays. I, totally I think different. it all
0: started with a song, don't you think? I'm I think sure.
1: That's... Oh, no, that was. Here's a story of a lovely
0: lady. <laughs> 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 yeah there's that one and then there's the other one a three hour tour oh! three hour... <laughs> yeah but not so much about children no. anyway you guys I, we're just having a little bit of fun while you're getting your coffee getting ready for the show i have a really really great guest today and looking forward to it it's going to be an uplifting show and before i introduce him i am loretta brown Ha. Huh! the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last 27 years. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I have a meditation. You can join us via Zoom. And if you can't be there at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, sign up anyway. I'll send you a a recording of the meditation. It's just a a check-in. Although this coming Sunday, August 8th, 8-8, is the Lion's Gate. I'll talk about that in a minute but we will be having a special Lionsgate meditation, which should be really, really powerful. So you can sign up for everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. And like I said, you can find out more about me there and all of the things that I offer and offer through the year and offer through the years. I should say lots of things, wonderful things. So like I said, I would be remiss if I did not mention the powerful Lionsgate and the Leo new moon happening this coming Sunday August 8th. On August 8th, we begin a new lunar cycle under the presence of that Lionsgate portal, which is activated due to the rising of the star Sirius, which coincides with this time of year. Sirius is considered the spiritual sun because it's the center of the Milky Way galaxy. It's a central sun. And after disappearing from our night sky, it is now getting ready to return. So it's sort of like being in the underworld, now there's a rising of a new sun, you see, a new day, a new opportunity. Many ancient civilizations tracked the rising of Sirius, believing it was a powerful time of rebirth, abundance, spiritual advancement, come on, let's go, and a shift into a higher state of consciousness. August 8th is a power date not only because of the lion's gate, but also because of the numerology of eight, eighty-eight, which represents infinity, spiritual intelligence and DNA activation. It's believed on this day, the high frequency energies of Sirius will be integrated into our being. And of course, you know, you, you, it always helps to put your attention on that higher thing, right? Like you need to participate in your own spirituality, your own divinity. You could think of this serious energy as a key, helping to unlock greater awareness, your destiny, new layers of your soul contract, opening the heart, the courageous lion heart, and the light codes that we came to this earth to explore and work with. And while the Lionsgate portal happens every year, this year it is extra special because it coincides with the Leo new moon. New moons are always a time for intention setting, so i I just invite everybody a lot of my clients are feeling the energies i'm a very sensitive soul i do feel some sort of build up something's coming we can all feel it um but i I just invite you to really uh, do some introspection what do you want to create in your life what do you want to create in this world and allow the creation to come from god or divine straight through your heart and just put it out there Right, so that it can come into being. This is a great time to connect with your higher self, with God, with your divine spark, and uh, open up the freedom and power within you that flows. Also active at this time is the planet Uranus, the planet of awakening and change. And Uranus can bring surprises. It likes to shake things up and turn things on their head. So we're forced to see them in a new way. I'm thinking about playing Yahtzee with the kids, and we'd shake those dice and then we'd roll them out, right? And then somebody would say, "I don't like that. Let's do it again." And We'd shake it and roll it out. Yahtzee. I, yeah, exactly.
1: I thought <laughs> that was my number. Those were my numbers I, for a minute.
0: I don't know. When you're playing a game with kids, <laughs> sometimes you bend the rules a little bit. Sure. Right? Yeah, it's not really about winning. It's no. about playing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. While Uranus is shaking everything up, be prepared to receive some information that changes something you once knew, or you could find yourself feeling scattered or uncertain about something that you once felt very certain about, sort of like what's happened this whole year, and Uranus loves to bring that element of surprise. So like I said, it's not always easy to predict what will happen. The only thing to keep in mind is that Uranus shakes things up in order to awaken us. I'm sorry, I'm going back to my childhood. But, you know, I am a sleepy person in the morning. I like to watch morning from the other end. (laughs) And (laughs) my father used to come in and he'd say, time to get up, right? This gentle little thing and then well, we always knew if we didn't get up, the next thing was that he was going to flip the light on, right? And if that didn't do it, he'd just come and take the blankets off the bed and kind of shake you a little bit. <laughs> and, and I have to admit, I didn't come gently out of the bedroom. <laughs> that explains a lot in my childhood, too. <laughs> my parents never had the patience to do that. They just were like, get up. You got to go.
1: <laughs> you got to move.
0: Anyway, by then I was up, <laughs> and I was a, a flame on fire coming out. <laughs> letting people know I was alive and well. (laughs) Anyway, I hope people are laughing. (laughs) Don't hold it against me, please. (laughs) So uncertainty is a part of life. And even though it's uncomfortable, it can be a powerful teacher to learning how to detach, stay in the present moment and open to our full potential. And as the saying goes, when nothing is certain, anything is possible. So where can you view any uncertainty as an open field of possibility? We are in a powerful time of change. We are in the age of Aquarius and the Leo new moon and the lion's gate is very heart centered, very heart driven, courageous energy. So stay out of the ego and work with this beautiful energy as we move forward. So, wow. Um, Every time I put together my little astrology check in, because like I said, I'm not a professional astrologer, I'm a hobbyist um i take a look at the guest that is on my show and i could not have a more beautiful hearted man on my show today (laughs) than rabbi wayne dosik and he he is just reading about him i can't read his bio it would take me uh, like an hour to read it but he's a speaker a spiritual guide a healer He's a best-selling, award-winning author of nine critically acclaimed books to include his latest book, Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People. Rabbi Dosik teaches and counsels about faith and spirit, ethical values, life transformations, and evolving human consciousness. And in his new book, the rabbi sends out a prophetic call to us, to rediscover our spiritual roots and have the courage to become voices for radical transformation, courage, like the Leo Lionsgate, like come on, to remember that as children of the universe and children of God, there is much more that unites us than divides us. And that in this emerging oneness, there's possibly a promise that Earth can be Eden again. Wow. Congratulations. Welcome to the show, uh, Rabbi Wayne Dosick. And I want to uh, mention this as I bring you in. Your book has won big in the International Book Awards. It's, it's amazing. It, it uh, won in religion. It won in spirituality, inspirational. And uh, Radical Loving was a finalist in social change. So welcome to the show. And I want to show the YouTubers the front of your beautiful book radical loving wow what a timely book thank you so much for being on the show i'm looking forward to this conversation
1: well thanks so much for inviting me thank you
0: um i i i just want to say this because i i pulled a couple of as you see i'm a tag I tab, uh-huh. yeah <laughs> i tabbed things because um your book really spoke to my heart i loved it for the listeners i i want to let you know it's it's um it's an easy read, but it's a very deep, heartfelt read. It it calls to your heart. And um, I also discovered that it's one of those things where I can say, okay, God, what do you want me to know? And I just open it up and I just read a little bit of something there. And it, it does do that. But I have been, um, like all year, this has been a really rough year for people. And I work a lot with people where they're, Um, mental and spiritual health and all this kind of thing. And I have felt this calling from the hearts of humanity. Right. Almost like they're crying, like what's going on? You know, and in your book, there's a a beautiful quote from the mystic poet Rumi, and I'm just going to start the show with it. And it says, "Um, out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I will meet you there. Yeah. Beautiful. What led you to write this book? And um, (laughs) I would say why now, but you know, there's divine timing going on. But what, what led you to write the book?
1: I looked at the world Mm -hmm. and I see, first of all, it's an incredible, incredible, wonderful time to be alive. We human beings are the crowning work of creation. And we are at the pinnacle of technological and medical and scientific exploration. And we are co-creative partners with God in making a better world, in moving, in listening to you, uh, if I may summarize very quickly, we're moving from 3D to 5D very quickly. Very quickly. That's the new world. That's the world of Eden on Earth once again. And yet, and yet, we are plagued by racism and sexism and misogyny and white supremacy and nationalism and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, and we are not living up to the the qualities that we hold within our God-given qualities of goodness and righteousness and decency and dignity. And so I was called in that way to to write this book actually it had its genesis many a number of years ago now i had always wanted to go to the, i live in san diego and i grew up in oh. chicago and i always wanted to go to the macy's day thanksgiving the macy's oh. thanksgiving day parade so one year we we had some time so i said to "Alan, let's go so we went to and um it's thanksgiving so we want a thanksgiving dinner so we go to a kosher deli in manhattan and we decided to go in between lunch and dinner, maybe it wouldn't be so crowded. So we get there and there are these little special menus plus the regular menu. And the waiter comes and we take uh, he takes our order. And then without being invited, but it didn't matter, he came, pulled up a chair and sat down next to us. His name was Mohammed, a waiter in a kosher deli. Yeah, I love that. Obviously knew we were Jewish because I'm wearing a yarmulke and uh, we're eating kosher. So he starts to talk and it was one of the most heartfelt soliloquies I had ever heard. It was, it was just weeks after the 2016 election. And he was petrified because of the call, the Islam, the call for the Muslim ban. And he said, I don't understand. We came here, my family and I, we work so hard. We want to bring up our kids in in a nice place and give them an education and why why is this happening why is this happening yeah and all of a sudden and i can tell you this kind of person too i started getting a download i pulled a pen out of my pocket and i said hand me one of those menus please i turned it over and started writing on the back and i kept writing and writing and he kept bringing more and more menus and by the time um the lunch was over i had five or six uh, little cards filled uh-huh. with notes And that was the beginning of the book, but then things changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, in the publishing world, you have to finish a book, then you have to get an agent, and then you have to get an editor and then you have to get a publisher and on and on and on. And then came COVID. And the whole process was delayed three times. The book was supposed to be out three times early, two times earlier, third time. And then I had to write an afterward based on COVID and the George Floyd issues in America so it took a while for the book to get out but you're right guidance told us the world the spirit of the world the spirit told us it was perfect timing
0: yeah it was perfect timing um I also look at it like you know we always have signs along the way like if we're paying attention it's like oh there's a red flag there's a yellow flag it's like mm, pay attention you know things are starting to escalate is what I call it like I, I sometimes call it the <laughs> the um, the 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 nudge, the feather, and the brick wall. Right? <laughs> it's like if you don't pay attention, boom, you know, something's gonna get your attention. So,
1: right. the universe it, will keep hitting you over the head until you get it.
0: Yeah. So there were these um, things going on with the barometric pressure of of where we find ourselves today. Um, you talk in the book. I mean, the chapters are, are short and, and to the point, and like I said, very much about everything that everyone's talking about. I I have wondered uh, in my own right, like what has happened to decency or what has happened to compassion or what what is going on that I, I could say, man's inhumanity to man or woman's inhumanity to woman, you know, whatever, that we're so escalated right now. What, why are we here?
1: You know, America was founded on the notion equal pluribus unum, out of many, would be one. And I remember when I was growing up, America was really a front porch community. And in Chicago, where we have those front porches in front of our houses, it was literally that. And when the White Sox were playing the Yankees in a four-game series, everybody, everybody was sitting out on the front porch with our little <laughs> transistor radios, listening to the game. And we had block parties and 4th of July celebrations. And my mother was a stay-at-home mother, but once in a while she would go out to a, a PTA meeting or a sisterhood meeting or a book club. Um, and it didn't matter that she was gone for two or three hours because the moment she got back, she didn't even have time to take off her coat. One of the neighbor ladies was, was a calling on the phone saying, Roberta, do you know what Wayne did while you were away? <laughs> Uh, we had we had mothers in every house on the street. And then a number of things happened. I, I'm sorry to say, since I'm such a lover of baseball, that part of it was baseball, free agency and baseball. Sure. Because it used to be that everybody knew every player, and the players were for the team and for the city. And um, then came free agency. I love labor unions. Uh, the America was built on the back of labor unions. But uh, here, now the players... Weren't for the team or the city. They were for their own statistics, to sell themselves to the next highest bidder. And then America became me, me, me. Mm. Not the common good, not mm-hmm. the highest good, not the greatest good, but me, my selfish interests. And it also became not me, not me, said our famous athletes, even if my bloody shoe prints are all over the murder scene. I didn't kill my wife right so that's what our children have been learning me 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 or not me no sense of responsibility no sense of communal obligation no sense of creating community there's a chapter in the book in radical loving about creating sacred community yeah. there's something sacred and holy about being a community where the life of another becomes as precious to you as your own that's radical loving
0: wow um that that's straight to the point um, for for those people don't that don't know what front porch front porch communities are, because I grew up in one too, right? It's he, basically you know your neighbors, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I was talking to someone recently, and she said, "Do you know who your neighbors are?" And I said, "Actually, I do." Do you not know who your neighbors are? And she's like, "No, no one ever says anything, you know." Or we, you know, here in the Northwest, we have what we call Northwest polite. Right, <laughs> you you know, like you get on an elevator and you say hi, and they're like, you know, or got their
1: phone, like like you don't exist, right? But well, we all we all we all <laughs> played together. We all knew each other, um, and it just happened, just so happened not not a couple months ago, that uh, a woman from that old neighborhood, who actually lived in California, also um, died, and her children had a memorial service for her. And we heard about it, and we went online to, to be able to be there. And the boy, the boy, the man, we're in our 70s now, uh, the, the guy and I used to play catch, right? And so his sister, who was a couple years older than we were, reminded me in that memorial service that when her brother and I were playing catch, we made her be the pickle in the middle of pickleball. <laughs> Of of uh, of, uh, of running bases. And there she was, pickle in the middle. And she's now talking about 70 years or 60-something <laughs> years ago. But we remembered. We all remembered.
0: Yeah, it's those things. Um, I think you talk about this in your book, but I also experienced this, where, um, you know, at the end of life, you know, when people are looking back on their life and you say, wow, what was the best part? They talk about things like that. They talk about family. They talk about... Uh, community or, or heartfelt exchange of things, right? They don't say, well, I was the CEO of this big company and that was just, you know.
1: That's so right. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, as a rabbi, I've, I've been with people in hospitals for a very, very long time. And I want to tell you, no one ever said to me, oh, I wish I had spent more time on my business. <laughs> I wish I had spent more time making more money. Yeah. I wish I had earned another degree. I wish I had bought the uh, fancier golf clubs. Everybody said, "Oh, I wish that I'd spent more time with my family. I wish that I'd spent more time playing catch with my kids. I wish that I'd uh, taken more vacation time while the kids were off of school so we could go traveling." The 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 core values of life are ours to choose or to neglect, and when we choose them, our lives become richer and fuller.
0: Well I'm I'm thinking while you're talking about what's called failure to thrive mm-hmm. and you know this past year with all all the lockdowns like like here in the Seattle area we only just recently got to where eh, we're uh, not so locked down right and it it was a whole year so people people were missing each other everybody's feeling isolated and separated But I'm also thinking about those studies that they've done with babies and the elderly, where if they're not touched, they have a failure to thrive, right?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think that goes to our souls too, our hearts, right? Touching at that deep level, or maybe it's compassion or humanity. I mean, it's probably up for a a big debate as to what that connection is. And maybe it goes back to your idea of, of community, of holy sacred community
1: yeah we need each other we're human beings who need each other not only for our own thriving which is so very (laughs) important but we need each other to move the world forward to more decency more dignity more civility as you referred to earlier to a kind of world where we care about each other and we take care of each other yeah just i'll give you an example Yeah. When my kids were little, we tried to follow the dictum of an ancient sage who said, of whom it is said, anytime he went to the market, he would buy two packages of meat, two bunches of vegetables, one for himself and one for the hungry in his neighborhood. So, how did we do that in modern times? Whenever we went to the grocery store, we would buy one more item of non perishable food. A box of cereal, a box of mac and cheese, can of peanut, uh, jar of peanut butter, can of tuna fish. Wouldn't even take it into the house. Leave it in the car, uh, in a grocery sack in the car. And when we had two or three sex we would take it uh, with the kids to the local food pantry. So we're in the store one day, and um, my son, my younger son, was maybe about five at that time. And I took a box of cereal off the shelf, and I said, "Honey, how about this is our food gift for." Today. And this little kid looked at me and said, No. Yeah, exactly. And I said, Why not? And he grabbed the cereal out of my hand, put it back on the shelf, stood on the shopping cart, then reached as high as he could, and took another box of cereal from the shelf and said, Look, Dad, this will be our food gift today. And I said, So, honey, what's the difference? And he said, Look, There are hungry kids out there, too. And kids like sugar frosted flakes better than we like Cheerios. (laughs) Now, in an instant, that child taught me not to see a category of people, the hungry, the needy, the poor, but to see the face of a child who we might be helping to have breakfast, who likes one kind of cereal other uh, uh, than another. and that's that's what it means to see the face of god you know we are created in the image of god not physically of course but the image of god is the goodness the kindness the love the compassion of the divine and each one of us reflects that each one of us looks in the mirror and sees the face of god and i look at you and i see the face of god and so when we can see the face of God in each other, then for example, we can see the face of a child whom we are helping to feed. Or when the the teenage clerk in the convenience store can't make change for a dollar bill without using a calculator, or the bank teller is making us wait in a long, long line, we can see the face of God. Yeah. So when we do that, then we raise our humanity. And if somebody needs, um, needs help, having a box of cereal, he probably needs other things. So when we pack away clothes, I'm sure you've done this. I do it all the time when they no longer fit <laughs> or they're out of fashion <laughs> or whatever it is. We Cause give they're away too pair, big.
0: Cause they're you know, too big. Right, exactly.
1: yeah. <laughs> We give away a pair of pants. We give away a shirt, a blouse, a skirt, but you know, if somebody needs a pair of pants, he or she probably also needs a pair of socks, but no one ever thinks to give away a pair of socks. Yeah. So give away a pair of socks, or if you don't want to give away your old smelly socks, uh, on your way to the shelter, <laughs> stop off and buy a couple pairs pair of socks at the local store yeah. and add that. You know, when we go to the hotels, they don't expect us to steal the towels or the pillows. But when they give us those little things of shampoo and conditioner and little bars of soap, they're happy for us to take those. Yeah. And we don't, because after all, we use fancy shampoo. What do we need their shampoo for? <laughs> so take those. And when you've collected three or four or five of them, take them to the local homeless shelter, because one of those little bottles of shampoo means a head wash for somebody who might not have one. That's what it means to radically love. And that's what it means to be awesomely holy, to take care of the needs of other human beings so that we raise the level of humanity for all of us.
0: I love that. And we're going to take a little station break. What a beautiful conversation my guest today Rabbi Wayne Dosick his book Radical Loving one god one world one people and this is Loretta Brown don't go away when we come back oh yeah we're going to we're going to give you more goodness i don't know if you can stand it yeah we'll be back in just a moment did you know that reiki healing can be done at a distance it's true So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment,
1: find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today.
0: Reading is fundamental. The nation's largest children's literacy organization invites you to rally our children to read. Visit rallytoread.org and help your child pledge to read 100 books by Read Across America Day in March 2022. Also, watch well known authors read their favorite books. Find activities to keep young readers motivated, and teachers can enter the Rally to Read sweepstakes for a chance to win 100 books for their own school, subject to rules. Inspire your child to read. Visit rallytoread.org today. Have- alternative talk 1150 here to uplift your day thank you the best songs in the world and welcome back to the original loretta brown show i'm loretta brown owner of reiki oasis located right here in the greater seattle area i honestly do zoom calls all over the world i have people all over the place i am of course a reiki master but i also have a whole lot of other credentials and uh, i'm ultimately a channel for the angels and gods so anyway my guest today is rabbi wayne dosick uh, PhD, don't forget that part. And uh,
1: <laughs> means I, means I jump through academic uh, 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 hoops and barrels, and PhD <laughs> is piled higher and deeper. Right?
0: <laughs> Thank you, because I was like, I, I know there's some other reason for PhD. Thank you for that. His new book, Radical Loving One God, One World, One People. And uh, yeah, I got emotional during the break for those of you that were watching on YouTube, I couldn't help it. Um, what I said was it's been so harsh, you know, it's 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 the division is breaking people's families up and we need a soft place to land. We need to come back. And you even say in your book, remember, and I, I want to share this with you. Um, my little tagline for my business Reiki Oasis is renew, refresh and remember. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. and you'll notice in the book there's a dash between re and member. that's that's in my little hashtag too right on the same wavelength with that
0: yeah yeah so um i don't know if you were going to say something when we were coming back from break that you want to say now or no okay all right um so you talked about radical loving and you also devote a whole chapter to awesome holiness which you say is the twin of radical loving. What is awesome holiness? And what is holiness?
1: What is holy? Holy is that which is separate and unique and different from anything else. So for example, the Jewish wedding vow is you are holy unto me. You're consecrated. You're sacred unto me, which means that you are different and unique from any other man, any other woman in the world. We keep the, our precious Torah scroll in the holy ark. It's not a toy cabinet. It's not a clothes cabinet. There's a holy ark that has a holy purpose, sacredness. Um, and the interesting thing is, where do we get sacredness. there? So there's yeah. a, there's a um, passage in the prophet Isaiah, which says, in essence, what are the archangels, the seraphim, the seraphim, what do they do all day?
0: Yeah, what do they what do, they all, do day? all day? <laughs> so it says
1: there that they stand on others. This is metaphoric, of course, but they sure. stand on others either side of the holy throne, the throne of God, and they shout back and forth to each other, "Holy, holy, holy." Hebrew kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Latin sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. So what does it mean? It means that they're creating the love vibration. Mm. And the love vibration comes from the heavens to us. And we receive the love vibration. And then in another legend, it says, what happens to all the prayers of all the people that go up to the heavenly throne? We pray, we pray, we pray. What happens? So another set of angels stands around the heavenly throne and weaves the prayers into a crown. And place the crown on God's head. So we send the love vibration back to God. And it spirals around the world. Mm. If I send out hate, hate spirals back. If I send out fear, fear spirals back. And if I send out love, love spirals back. Now, you and I are old enough to remember back in 1987, the thing called the Harmonic Convergence. You remember? Oh, we, yeah. We, uh, we decided if we uh, <laughs> held, held hands and stood in circles around the world yes. and sang songs, the, the world would, would be different. Well, the singing songs is going to change the world. Holding hands is going to change the world. The world laughed at us. <laughs> yes. and yet, And yet, within a couple of years, the Soviet Union fell. The satellite countries fell. The Berlin Wall fell. Blacks and whites began riding the bus together in Johannesburg. Protestant Catholics stopped shooting at each other in Northern Ireland. And Jews and Arabs once in a while sat down at a peace table. Send out the love vibration and the love vibration spirals back.
0: I love that. So powerful. So powerful. Yeah, I remember 1987. Well, it was a pivotal point in my own life and I Moved overseas for nine years. Went to Saudi Arabia, Arabia Riyadh. I know. I know. I went over and taught music and brought my own little harmonic convergence. Did you Latin have to wear the world.
1: burqas and long, long clothes and long sleeves and cover your head? And, wow.
0: Yeah, I was but, there um, uh, during the Gulf War. Hmm. Huh. I have stories to tell. I'm going to have tell. to have you on my radio show so <laughs> you can tell
1: us all about that story. That's a great story.
0: It, it really, um, you know, I don't want to make this about me, but it, it brought my spirituality to a really big, deep point. And uh, like I was saying earlier, sometimes we get shook up so that we can be rolled out in a different way. Right. And it it really uh, threw me, catapulted me upon my higher path. That's what I'm going to
1: well, say. Well, I'll tell you this. I I grew up, as I said, on the southeast side of Chicago which in the 40s was a Polish Catholic steelworkers neighborhood. And then in the 50s, a few Jews began to move in and a few Protestants began to move in. And by the 70s, it was a totally uh, African-American neighborhood. So it was a neighborhood that changed radically over just a few decades. Right. So when we were kids, we all played together on the playground when I was four or five, six, seven years old. And then we went to public school and the Catholic kids went to the local parish school. And by the time I was eight, nine, I was being beaten up on a regular basis by the Catholic kids who had learned from their priests and nuns that I, Wayne Dossick, had l- literally killed their Lord. Yeah. Fast forward a little bit to high, to high school. And I, I went to one of those high schools that looked like a prison, you know, red brick building uh, <laughs> five stories. And we had to go from the first floor to the fifth floor in a four minute of, uh, class changing period. A girl runs up to me in the hall <laughs> And says, Wayne, Wayne, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I thought, well, there are probably some girls in this high school. (laughs) But she wasn't one of them. So I said, Bonnie, what is it? it?" She said, I forgive you for killing Christ. I said, what are you talking about? That was 2,000 years ago. I didn't know him. I knew he was a good Jewish boy who made good. But I didn't know him. I wasn't there. I wouldn't kill anybody. She said, no, no. I just heard on my radio, that little transistor radio again, that the Pope said we could forgive the Jews for killing Christ. That was Vatican II and Pope John Twenty Third. Yes. Fast forward again another couple of decades. I'm a rabbi <clears throat> who is a professor, a visiting professor, at the University of San Diego, which is a local Catholic diocesan university, teaching the only courses in Jewish studies in the Department of Religion and Theology, invited to preach from the pulpit of the Immaculata Church <laughs> standing next to a statue of Jesus. And my closest and deepest friend is a Jesuit priest. So look at how far we've come. He didn't know a Jew until he was 21 years old, Father O'Leary. And I, as I told you, was beaten up by the Catholic kids when I was eight and nine years old, seven, eight, nine. So one day we are walking on campus and we hung out a lot together. You know, we had lunch in the, in the cafeteria, in the deli. I taught in his class. He taught in my class. Everybody knew we were friends. We went to, this, to the staff parties together. So some some young man comes running up to us. His father, father, rabbi, rabbi, can I speak with you? Of course. He said, I came here to this university, and I had never met a Jew before. I'm a junior, and I'd never met a Jew before. And to tell you the truth, I was a little bit prejudiced against Jews because I heard bad things about them. But if you two can be such good friends, then I guess I ought to meet some Jewish kids and make some friends. You two are a walking sermon. What a compliment. That's we, didn't, we didn't go out to earn that compliment. It was just yeah. It just happened. Well, that's how we begin to radically love and be awesomely holy. One-to-one relationships. Thank you. One-to-one relationships, knowing each other, caring about each other. Now, Father O'Leary doesn't want me to be Catholic, and I don't want him to be Jewish. <laughs> but, but I read Hebrew scripture at his mother's funeral mass, and he read a psalm at my father's funeral. And so that's understanding. That's opening to each other. And when we can begin to do that, that is radical loving and awesome holiness. And that can be taken from person to neighborhood, to community, to city, to country, to world. We are we are human beings, all of us. And here's the key to the whole thing. There is one God who created us all. The theme song of the world these days seems to be, my God's better than your God. <laughs> yes. And if you don't think so, I'll make you think so. Right. And if you won't, if I can't make you think so, I'll terrorize you until you think so. Or then I'll kill you if you don't think so. <clears throat> so the lesson is that there is one God who created us all. We are all God's children. God doesn't care what we call him, her. Because in a family, you may say mothers, another sibling might say mama, mommy, daddy, papa, whatever. It's all the same person. It's all the same God. And God says, create different pathways to and from me. That's wonderful. Because oneness, oneness consciousness does not mean sameness. So you create a path that's quiet. You create a path that's joyous. You create a narrow path. You create a stark path. You create a gaily decorated path. It doesn't matter. It's all the same journey from God to God. And so God does not play favorites. God does not say, I love you more than I love the other one. God does not say, I love your pathway more than the other pathway. That's been part of the problem of the world. Judaism came along and said, we have a better scripture than the pagans. And Christianity came along and said, we have a better scripture than than the Jews. And Islam came along and said, we have better scripture than all of them. No, no, it's not better. It's not new. It's an addition to. It's an addition to. Because human consciousness evolves, and therefore the way God talks to us evolves. God did not talk about rocket ships to the moon or rovers on Mars to antiquity. But there's a new world. A new world blossoms every single day. Just like science doesn't dis- does, doesn't create anything ex nihilo, science discovers what's already there, and when science discovers something new, then it just means science has learned more than it knew yesterday. <laughs> it doesn't mean the old is wrong. It means we've built on it to understand more. So if we begin to understand, there's one God. Who, who loves us all and does not play favorites, then we are closer and closer to a world of oneness.
0: Well, wow, I loved so many things you just said. Um, I was write down stuff. I wrote down oneness does not mean sameness. Right. And I actually think that people understanding that, that that's a key component to understanding oneness. Cause so many people are like, oh, no, 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 we can't all be one right you know like like you say my god's better than yours my beliefs are better than yours my area of the world is better than yours you know whatever it is and we can have that uniqueness and still be in oneness
1: yeah and at the same time we cannot do things in in our uniqueness that are detrimental to another group or to another person. Yeah,
0: thank you so for that. Yeah, we have the
1: whole we have the the, the whole issue that, right now of getting vaccinated. Right. I got vaccinated, you got vaccinated. Benny got vaccinated. And as soon as his kids are old enough, they'll be vaccinated. And I had I was on a show like, similar to yours the other day where uh, the host was adamantly against vaccination and told me how terrible I was and and I was ruining her personal freedom and on and on and I just said how do I get on an airplane with you if if uh if I can't trust that you are well and going to be well there is a responsibility to the common good that's where civility comes back in that's mm. where the notion of the highest good, the best good. You know, I wrote this book as an aspirational book. This is what we can be.
0: Right, aspire to.
1: And then we were smacked with reality. COVID came along. And I'll just give you one little example. America must reopen because my pizza parlor My dry cleaning shop, my nail salon, is the only way I can make a living and feed my family. That's one. America must open because I must have the freedom to go to the beach and to go to the nightclub to go dancing and drinking. Well, those are two different approaches to the same thing. Here is one for the good, the common good, and here is one for total selfishness and self-interest. COVID put right in our face. Yeah. What do you choose?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I um I've said this before. I always feel like the the divine mother herself sent us to our rooms last year and said, think about what you've been doing. You know, I, I used to get told, Go to your room until you can come out and be a nice person. I'd be like All Right. Where did you grow up? <laughs> Pendleton, Oregon. <laughs>
1: It was nice up there,
0: right? Well, yeah, it's beautiful there, except for a pouty Loretta in her room, yeah. right? Oh, Brr. poor
1: Loretta.
0: It was like, oh, right. I'll say i always
1: loved you. Yeah, okay.
0: she did. She'd say, now, don't you feel better? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I do. <knew>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? You know, shake your head. But, um, you know, you, you're saying something really powerful there. And, and I also say this to many, many people. Um we are getting stuck on our on what is dividing us you know we've we've somehow turned everything into a political agenda this to me is a spiritual agenda this is a divine agenda that takes us to an upper room or a higher level of looking at things and if we're just going to keep picking and picking and picking at each other and saying me 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 it's got to be me 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 we're missing the boat of this sacredness or this holy community of planet earth we're actually going to destroy ourselves is what i'm like look um you know we've we've got to figure this out and i just want to say to the listening audience that your book radical loving um really brings to the forefront and it's kind of a personal journey through the book although it it, like i say you have such a beautiful way of like seeing the face of god in everyone and actually i do that too i i i can never forget that the person i'm talking to is a person and they're a human, and they're suffering, and they are the center of their universe, and they have good things and bad things, right? And it's like, I don't know, I sometimes think about, you know, the Bible, it talks about those people in in hell, and it's like, can I just put a drop of water on my tongue? Just a drop of water. And I feel like the water bearer sometimes, like, here, just take a little drink of water, restore yourself, bring yourself back to who you know yourself to truly be you're better than this
1: right and and so i'm sorry i interrupted go ahead no you didn't you're perfect go ahead and so um i have this program called f-a-n-a-m-i find a need and meet it what does that mean back in 1996 our house burned down in a california wildfire Mm. so we lost the house and everything in it we had nothing So one of the kindest, most gentle, sweetest, and wealthiest men I knew came to me and said, Rabbi, I feel so terrible. What's mine is yours. Ask me for anything. So what was I going to say? Take me out to dinner? Buy me a suit? Build me a house? What what, what could I say to this man? And we often do that. In times of tragedy, for example, we say, call me. Anything you need, anything you need, just call me. And what happens? No one ever does. So F-A-N-A-M-I, find a need and meet it. If, God forbid, somebody dies, then you say, uh, I understand your Uncle Charlie is coming in for the funeral. Give me his plane uh, information. I'll go to the airport and pick him up for you. Um, is your good suit still at the uh, cleaners? Give me the ticket. I'll go pick up your suit for you. Don't worry about the kids tonight. I'll take them out for pizza and a movie. That's finding a need and meeting it directly. Yeah. So it says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And we all say, oh, what a, what a good uh, thing. Well, that's a good thing. But it really means love your neighbor. He or she is just like you, but he or she is a unique human being. So, for example, if my friend Loretta, my new friend Loretta, uh, is feeling down or depressed or unhappy, I want to make her as happy as possible. So I say to myself, self, I say, what if I were feeling down and depressed? What would I like? Well, I'd like to go to a a ball game and get some hot dogs and um, watch the team win. So I get us tickets to the ball game. And I say, Loretta, we're going to the ball game. Well, what if you don't like baseball? And you'd rather have tickets to the Hmm. ballet or to the symphony or to a museum. I was finding a need and meeting it according to my need, not Mm -hmm. yours. So I have to find you as that unique human being and respond to you as I would want to be responded to, not the way I would respond, but the way I would like to be responded to, and I respond to you that way. So that's one of the very simple ways that that um, we meet needs. <clears throat> we were talking before about giving a pair of socks. Well, you know, we all put together Thanksgiving baskets, right? The church or the, yeah. the local organization. So everybody gets a turkey and yams and, and cranberries and stuffing but you know it's a celebration it's a big holiday so everybody deserves just as you and i deserve a bottle of sparkling apple cider or a decorated cake or a bag of colorful jelly beans because we're dealing with human beings not just categories of human beings and so those are ways that's finding a need and meeting it
0: yeah yeah i love that you also, in your book, have a chapter that I love, and, and we were kind of touching on it during the break, where these uh, people send for the wise sage, and she comes because they're having all these problems, and she starts singing, and then they're singing, and then they're dancing, and they're dancing, and a couple hours go by, and they're quiet. And then she says something like, I hope I've answered all your questions. Exactly. Right.
1: Exactly. Great story. So yeah. we made, because chanting is so important. We made an album to go along with the book. Oh, I love that. And so if you go to the website radicallovingbook.com, you can listen there are 21 chants here. you can listen to I think three or four of them, as we used to say in the old South side of Chicago, free for nothing or if you want the whole um, you want the whole album, you can download it. Or you can buy a hard copy CD. I know a lot of people don't use CDs anymore, but it's all in English, and you get with it the lyrics, so you can sing along. Because chanting goes much more, much deeper than our uh, consciousness. It goes deep into our unconscious, and chanting mm-hmm. opens our world and brings us closer and closer to the divine. So we made that uh, CD to go along with uh, with the world. I know I shouldn't call it a CD that's all ancient, but that's what I know. At least I, I don't love call it. it a tape. <laughs> I,
0: I, I love it. I love it. Chanting, yeah. I, I actually practice chanting. I love music. I'm a professional musician. But um, I think everybody should be singing and dancing and laughing right. every single
1: day. So I'll give you an example. One of the songs. I mean, so they're all very simple, simple little chants to sing. <clears throat> so with greatest love, eternal love greatest love eternal love greatest love eternal love greatest love eternal love
0: oh i love it so those are songs that are going to get stuck in your head right so we're down to the last 30 seconds or something I know (laughs) I missed you already (laughs) I missed you first right and uh my guest today has been uh Rabbi Wayne Dosick PhD his beautiful book Radical Loving One God One World One People and you can get the chanting via cd or download also and uh where can they find you and your book's probably on all the booksellers
1: all all the major booksellers Um, The CD's there as well on on Amazon and others, and I'm at (laughs) radicallovingbook.com.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. It was a blessing to have you here. Thanks for bringing the sacredness and the holiness uh, back to our consciousness and to everybody out there, keep your water handy for the Lionsgate. And oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Rabbi. Happy birthday, Leo. Thank
1: you. Well, namaste. The divine in me sees the divine in you.